Good evening. Well, we're almost to the holidays, and holidays mean one thing to everybody. Holidays mean food. Well, just before we reach this time of feasting together, I want to take a night to talk about the opposite. I want to talk about fasting. Have you guys ever wondered how fasting worked? Do we need a special occasion to fast? What are the rules for it? Well, tonight I'm going to take a swing at answering those questions. My topic is fasting. How does that work? But before we get into it, let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can take time to study your word together, that we can come together to learn a little bit more about you. Please help us to take what goes on tonight and love you a little bit more than we did before. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58? What we're going to do tonight, we're going to camp out in Isaiah chapter 58 for a while. And then I'm going to ask and answer three more questions about fasting. And then we'll be done. So Isaiah chapter 58, starting at verse 1. Oh, just to give you a little bit of context, this chapter is in the middle of a section where the Lord is rebuking his people for their evil. So you can take it like that. Isaiah 58, starting at verse 1. It says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rear reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in the drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that be of thee shall build up the old waste places, Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, 
the restorer of the past to dwell in. And I'll stop there because after that it goes into a different topic. In a nutshell, fasting can have great benefits if you're already walking with the Lord. That's the gist of this chapter. When I fast, I read this at the start of every fast. And then when I finish, I read it again at the end to help direct my prayers and remind me why I'm fasting in the first place. So if you wonder why I picked this chapter, that's part of the reason. The other is because this is about the longest and most detailed uh, portion where it talks about fasting that I could find. So let's go back to the beginning and walk through it piece by piece together. Verses 1 and 2 make it very clear that sin keeps you from God. In fact, uh, it's like the psalm says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Fasting is for people who are saved and who are already walking with the Lord. If you want your prayers to reach higher than the ceiling, first you've got to be right with the Lord. Only then does fasting become a useful tool, one with very helpful benefits, and we'll talk more about that later. Let's go to verse 3. The people are asking, why have we done this and you're not taking any knowledge? Well, their pleasures and their labors were already evil. As, we, as I mentioned at the beginning, this passage is in the middle of a section where God is rebuking his people for their evils. The point of fasting is not to be miserable and do nothing. Instead, it seems designed that we set aside more time and focus more for prayer and less on other things when we set time to fast. If you look at verse 4, you'll see their purpose in fasting is all wrong. The point of fasting is not for strife and debate, not to smite with the fist of wickedness, and not to have our voices heard on high when we want to do that. And so, if you look at verse 5, I'm going to stick my neck out here and say, I think the answer to these questions is no. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? No. But, going on to verse 6 and 7, I'm going to stick out my neck again, and I think the answer to these questions is yes. Partially because the nature of the question changes from is to is not. And also because it makes sense. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry, that you bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? And when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. You know, for people who are doing wickedness, especially with what they were doing, this is kind of far out. They talk about how they would sell the poor for shoes. And so you have something very opposite when you talk about, hey, the point of the fast is to give your bread to the hungry, literally. When you see the naked, that you cover him, that you don't hide yourself from your own flesh so that you can have compassion. And though I think we can take all of these things literally, uh, I don't think they just have to be taken literally. For example, at the start of verse 6, he talks about, so for your fast, you want to loose the bands of wickedness. Could this also include other things like helping others out of their sin to salvation, helping to break addictions? Could it talk about rooting out bitterness from your own heart and breaking bands of wickedness in that way. 
I think for all of these things, each of these points here in verses 6 and 7, they're excellent things for helping us to draw ourselves out to seek the Lord in His will and to care about those around us. And we can and should seriously consider taking them as they are, as they're written. But that doesn't mean that's the only way we have to take them. We can take them other ways too. All right, so verses 8 through 12, the last half of this passage that we're going to read, talk about the benefits of holiness and doing good with your fast. As you'll see, it's kind of a recap of what we've talked about already. Verse 8 is really cool to me because it's not a maybe. It's a shell. It's sure. It says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear reward, your guard from behind. When we are right with the Lord, we take time to draw ourselves out as he's outlined a little bit in verses 6 and 7, then we get benefits that are sure to us. Verses nine, well, verse 9 shows us that nearness to the Lord is important. It's important that we get sin out of our life so that nearness to the Lord is not impeded. Uh, as it says, Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am, if you get rid of the sin. If you take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the, sping, the finger, and the speaking vanity. And then verse 10 through 12 cover the opposite side. What happens once you get rid of them? And if you draw out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall your light rise in obscurity and your darkness shall shine as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in the drought, and make fat thy bones. It's a, a metaphor for saying you're healthy from the inside out. Make fat your bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And it doesn't just benefit you. And they that be of thee shall build the old ways places, and thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the past to dwell in. When we draw ourselves out to seek the Lord and His will, which is what the whole point of a fast is, then all these benefits follow. Now, I'm not saying that fasting is a magic bullet pow, that fixes everything, that makes your lives great. What I am saying is that when you already seek the Lord, when you're already right with Him and seeking to do what pleases Him, then... Fasting is a great tool that you can use to help you draw yourself out. It's a bit like the struts on a stool. We have legs on a stool. Will they stand without the struts? Yeah, but the struts help to make it firmer. Or a bicycle wheel. Will it work without all of the struts? Yeah, it doesn't need all of them, but the struts help to make it firmer. If our Christian life is like a stool, maybe we don't need fasting, but I think it can be a very useful tool that we should consider. You need the legs, though. The struts may be optional. All right, so are you starting to get interested in fasting? Are you starting to wonder, uh, so how does this work? Is this something I can actually do? 
Now I'm going to move on from Isaiah 51 and start answering a couple of the questions. When I first started to fast, one of the questions that I asked myself was, do I need a, a special occasion to fast? Like, does something special have to happen in order for me to fast? So I'm going to start right there. I want to base my answer to this question on examples from Scripture. And so we've covered Isaiah 58. I'm going to start with the first of the three questions. Do I need a special occasion in order to fast? Well, some fasts in Scripture were because of something important. You remember Esther who went in before the king? Both Esther and Jehoshaphat fasted because of the imminent destruction of their people. That's important. David fasted just before his child died. That's an important occasion. Ezra fasted because he and his group were about to set off to beautify the temple of the Lord. They needed to get there alive so that they could beautify God's house. That's an important occasion. Even Jesus' 40-day fast was because the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. When the Holy Spirit leads you, that's important. However, not all fasts in Scripture were because of some special event. Some seem to be just because. And for an example of that, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 13? Acts chapter 13 and starting at verse 1. This is uh, taking place in the church of Antioch where the disciples were first called Christians. Evidently they were showing Christ in their lives. <laughs> starting at verse 1 in Acts 13. It says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. If you look at verse 2, it seems to me like they were fasting just because they decided to make that a part of how they served the Lord. It seemed to be a regular part of how they were serving the Lord. Oh, and something special happened from it. It was while they were fasting and serving the Lord in this way that the Holy Ghost uh, spoke to them and showed them that he wanted them to separate Paul and Barnabas for the work he had called them. I personally am really glad that they decided to follow the Lord in this way because about half of my New Testament is owed to Paul. God decided to use him to write it. Even if there's not a special occasion for you to say, oh, I'm going to start fasting because of it, great things still may come out of it. And even if you don't see great magical, wow, that's not the point. I'm going to talk about the point in a minute. Again, fasting is not a magic bullet. It's a tool that we can use to help us draw ourselves out to the Lord. So do you need a special occasion in order to fast? Scripture suggests no. You can use it, but you don't need it. Question two. So, if you don't need a special occasion, what's the primary purpose of fasting then? I would like to submit to you that its primary purpose is to seek the Lord. And to show it to you from Scripture, I'd like us to turn to Ezra chapter 8. 
back in the Old Testament, a few books before Psalms. Now, to remind you of the story, Ezra and other Jews were finally allowed by the king of a pagan country to go back to Jerusalem in order to rebuild God's house. So at the start of their journey, as they were getting ready to set off, they decided to fast together. So there was a special occasion for them to fast. But if you look at how it's worded here, the special occasion is not the first thing they talk about why they were fasting. Uh, Ezra chapter 8, starting at verse 21. It says, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might afflict ourselves before our God, to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken to the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his, work is, oh, but his, power and his wrath is against them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. So why does he say they were fasting? First, in verse 21, it says, To seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for all our substance. The primary purpose of a fast is to seek the Lord and his will. It's a tool to help you draw yourself out to him and to others. And then after that, you see that they also wanted protection. So what does this mean for us if we choose to fast today? Let me suggest that when we fast... Our primary purpose, too, is to seek the Lord and seek of Him a right way for us. We can feel welcome to pray for any other specifics, but if seeking the Lord is not the primary reason for our fast, we're doing it wrong. By the way, the Lord doesn't promise to spell out answers for other specifics. I fasted when I had certain issues I desired to know God's will in, and not often did I get a do this certain thing and take these specific steps. And that's okay. That's not promised. The point of fasting is to draw yourself out to be willing to follow the Lord. And even though I didn't get uh, maybe all of the things I was looking for, it was very beneficial to take time to help focus. Um, and there were times where I thought and uh, it seemed, whoa, I made progress on this problem I had. And other times where I didn't. That's not the point. That's a secondary goal. Now, Ezra may not have gotten a step-by-step -step plan either for what he was supposed to do after his fast. But the scripture records arrangements that he made for them to do what they were supposed to do anyway. A fast is a good thing. You don't need to wait for some uh, special revelation. You might have something you didn't realize before, or you might not. That's not the point. Oh, and if your primary purpose in fasting is something else like counting carbs, uh, may I suggest that that's not a fast? And maybe not the best way to count carbs either. <laughs> You're probably doing it wrong. The primary purpose of a fast is to draw ourselves out, to seek the Lord and what's right of him. All right, that's question number one. Do we need a special occasion to fast? No. Question number two, what was the primary purpose of a fast? Well, to seek the Lord. And question number three, just before we finish, is what kinds of rules for fasting are there? Well, actually, in the New Testament, 
there is a whole lot of leeway for how you want to conduct your fast. There is no need for literal sackcloth and ashes. I mean, unless you really want to use those things. I haven't, but that's me. However, Scripture does offer some guidelines and principles for our fast. Let me point out a few of them. Can we turn together to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. I want to start off with what Jesus said here because obviously if somebody knows something about fasting, it would be the Lord. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 16. Jesus says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily, truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. So apparently... Uh, from what I'm told, is when the Pharisees would fast, they would actually paint their faces to look more haggard and disfigured than normal. Christ is saying, don't do that. Don't try to appear to fast. There's no need to be overt about it. Don't disfigure your face and be sad looking. After all, no one is forcing you to fast. It's an optional tool for us to use. And if the apostles of the Lord were joyful when they were beaten for serving the Lord, Maybe we don't need to be sad when we're a little bit hungry because we choose to follow the Lord in that way. Uh, also, for me, when I fast, I don't go around telling people. I tell the people in my house because they're going to wonder why I'm not at the table with them. Um, in college, I would sometimes tell my roommate and sometimes not. Some years I would eat with my roommate a lot and some years I wouldn't. I'm kind of interested in others of you who had fasted, how you tackle this. What you do to um, keep it more secret instead of tooting your own horn. So one rule uh, has to do with Jesus' instruction. No need to be overly overt. What about a length for a fast? Is there a certain amount of time that I need to fast? Well, in Scripture you find out all sorts of different ones. God almost never prescribes length. In the law, I think, on the Day of Atonement, they were supposed to fast all day. But as a general rule, God never prescribed a length for a fast. Nevertheless, people regularly did set lengths for their fast. Scripture often records this. For example, Esther fasted for three days before going in to see the king to plead for the life of her people. Sometimes Scripture doesn't record any length of time, which may indicate that the length was unimportant to the story, or may indicate that one doesn't have to set a length at the beginning. But it may also indicate that these people fasted as a regular, ongoing thing for that time in their lives. Like in Acts 13, where we read earlier, just before they sent off Paul and Barnabas. I remember a story from Fox's Book of Martyrs. One of the martyrs, he was known as a generous, a kind man. And the thing that struck me about him was he fasted one day out of four. I thought, wow, that's a lot of fasting. Uh, but there doesn't need to be a prescribed length, uh, one might think at first. Let's look to Jesus, for example. His 40 days fast is found in Matthew 4, Mark 4, and Luke 4. 
So if you're not sure where his fast is, try chapter 4 and you'll get it in three out of the four Gospels. Uh, I went through to try to figure out whether it was clear that he set that time, that it was going to be 40 days, and then afterwards he wouldn't fast anymore. And Matthew and Mark were really inconclusive. However, the language in Luke indicates that he, he fasted for 40 days, and after that time he was hungry. So it suggests to me that he might have set it for 40 days, and then we come in after that time. But it's not conclusive. So in all cases, it's said that we know how long the fast was, 40 days. This suggests, but does not command, that the days for a fast be set in advance and stuck to. After all, Jesus refused to end his fast when Satan said, command these stones to be made bread. And he was really hungry. So, do you need to set a length for your fast? It's not commanded, but it seems to be indicated and suggested. We talked about length for your fast. We talked about Jesus' instructions. Let's talk about what not to partake of while fasting. Okay, so a totally new concept to me when I went to college was one of my friends who did a technology fast. And I said, what's that? And he said to me, well, I don't play video games or go on Facebook or any of that while I'm on a technology fast. I thought, okay. And now I think it can be a great idea to put aside that stuff for a while, take time that you would have spent on that and dedicate it to prayer or feeding the hungry or drawing out yourself to the Lord. That's great. But I would hesitate to call that a fast. In the scripture, whenever it's mentioned what people abstain from partaking in a fast, it's always food and or drink. It's necessities of life, food and or drink. So though I think other options are cool, I would hesitate to call it a fast. I don't really find support in the scripture for that. Another interesting thing, you don't have to fast alone. Groups can fast together if they're so inclined. When Esther fasted, it wasn't just her. It was her and all the Jews that were in the city where the king was. When Ezra fasted, it wasn't just him. It was him and all of the Jews that were going to uh, travel to Jerusalem. When Jesus fasted, it was just him. So you don't have to fast as a group, but you can feel more than welcome to. One other thing I wrote here, married people and fasting. If you want to follow 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, this scripture indicates that married people refrain from certain married people activities during a fast, but it takes consent from both partners. So if you're single, you can fast anytime you want. If you're married, you've got to get both people on the boat and then come together again afterwards, the scripture says. Woohoo. So let me conclude. We've talked about Isaiah 58, the conditions you need in your heart so the fast can be beneficial, the purpose of a fast, and then some of the benefits that happen because of your fast. We've answered, three, uh, we've answered a few questions including Jesus' instruction, the length of a fast. Can you do it as a group? Do you need a special occasion? A lot of different things. What I want to ask you, since we've talked about how this can be a useful tool in our life as a Christian, a bit like the struts on the legs of my stool here, when was the last time 
you seriously considered taking a fast? How good would it be for you to fast before the holidays when we go to eat a lot? How good would it be for you to consider making fasting a regular part of your walk with the Lord? I think you know the answer to the question better than me. I just want you to consider the option. Fasting is something we find in both the Old Testament and the New. It's a tool for our lives that we can use to help us draw ourselves out to follow the Lord and to help others more than we otherwise might. It's a very useful tool I want to encourage you to consider using. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the multitude of ways you've given us to help us draw closer to you. Help us to be wise as we consider what ways in our own lives we seek you. We seek to draw closer to you. Um, please help us to be wise as we consider whether and when to fast. Thank you that your spirit works in us. Help us to remember that it's not for us. It's not just so our voice can be heard on high when we sin, but it's to help draw ourselves out to you. May our focus both in our fast and in our whole lives be on you, Lord, on drawing closer to you. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your goodness to us and pray, amen.